trackside of the John Weston Railway. It's the beginner's guide to model railroading. I'm G4. And I'm Nathan Smith. I'm the expert. And I'm the rookie. covering two major topics that are incredibly important to the beginner in model railroading. Train sets, and whether or not you should buy them, and DCC, and whether or not you should use it. Most likely you will. So, first topic, train sets. Like what you might imagine from the days of yore, a train set is supposed to be a single box that contains all of what you need to put a train around a Christmas tree, a Hanukkah bush, or a war on Christmas tree. <laughs> However, if you specifically intend to continue model railroading beyond the pine needle and present covered floor, you should be very hesitant about purchasing a train set, as depending on your situation, they may simply prove to be a waste of money. First, the pros. Right off the bat, a train set can save you a lot of time and effort because it already contains all of what you need to run a train in one box, namely the locomotive, cars, track, power supply, and possibly accessories. Normally, the equipment is rugged and can satisfactorily hold up well on the floor for limited periods of time without issue, which is a plus if your layout space is exclusively temporary. Packing it away in the box from which it came can make storage a breeze. And finally, this bundling can usually be up to $150 or cheaper than buying all the components separately. However, there are also some severe cons to be noted. Firstly, and most importantly, train sets are notorious for having cheap equipment with limited functionality. Unless you're willing to pay for a deluxe train set, count on some moderately low-standard, lightweight, low-quality equipment, especially in HO and N scales. Or in G-scale, you have the less realistic uh, hook-and-ring couplers. If you're planning on having a train empire in any way larger than an oval or a circle, you're still going to have to buy additional track, so the track provided in the train set is only of marginal use, or may not be of use at all, because my first train set for my garden railway has plastic tracks, which would not do well at all in the outdoors. As we mentioned in the last episode, garden railroading. While on the subject of track, all the track provided in train sets is sectional track with ballast attached, sometimes called click track, because of the sound it makes when being put together. Clickety clack. Click track is almost never used on permanent model railroads, in, in part because it looks so unrealistic. The only exceptions that I've ever seen are Bachman brand track, which is actually designed to be covered by ballast later, like regular track, and Cotto brand Unitrack, which is the closest thing to realistic that I've ever seen. Thus, if you are not planning on having temporary setups on the floor or a kitchen table, the track provided in the train set will be utterly useless. Finally, many train sets use only simple DC control, which we will explain more in a moment, to cut back on costs. If you're ever planning on using more than one train at once, or want a sound-equipped locomotive, 
The DC locomotive will only be a hassle in trying to reach that goal. And you should probably invest in separate DCC equipment right off the bat. However, there are two notable exceptions. First, as I will go into later, manufacturers are starting to produce DCC starter sets that will explicitly say DCC equipped on the box. And second, a very recent development, some train sets now offer smartphone app Bluetooth control, oh, wow. which would be just as useful as DCC when compared to simple DC train sets. I hope that's the th I hope that's the key to getting the younger generation and getting the model railroading. In fact, just a few months ago, Bachman actually uh, produced its most recent uh, Blue Rail, I think it's called, equipped steam locomotives and diesel locomotives. They have Jeeps, they have F-units, and also various steam locomotives. So these are things not to be discounted. It's probably going to be the well, future. Yeah, but, yeah, I hope it is because, you know, a lot of people these days, a lot of young folks, a lot of the young people are on their phones all the time doing stuff. Maybe if they add the model railroading aspect to the phone, it'll be it'll get more popular with the younger generation and continue the hobby of model railroading as it is. Thus, here are some conclusions we can make about whether train sets are right for your situation. First off, if you're working in S, O, and G scales, it's probably a good idea to buy a train set. By their very nature, S, O, and G scales are more rugged and indestructible than their smaller scale counterparts. For this reason, and others, what you would be buying in a train set for these scales is pretty much identical to what you would be buying outside of a train set. Thus, for S, O, and G scales, it is usually safe to buy train sets without exception so long as they are mid-range and above. You can buy H, O, and N scale train sets if your near-term projects are limited to floor and dining room tabletop expeditions. They can be very inexpensive and can save time and effort getting your railroading adventures off the ground very quickly and simply. Just don't be surprised if the equipment is a little more fragile and limited in its functionality, or if some of the train set components, like track, transformer, or even the locomotive and cars themselves, later become useless or obviated by your expansion into the hobby. If you want good equipment that can be used later, build your own train set. If you know what you're doing, building your own train set can actually be very simple, easy, and yield better results than buying a normal train set, though usually a bit more expensive. Yeah, uh, for example, I actually did that, that for Christmas this, this year. All you need to do is research which cars and locomotives you want, buy a transformer, some track, and you're ready to go. In fact, if you still need the flexibility of click track for temporary layouts, you can usually buy click track packs divorced from train sets so that you can still set it up around trees or on tables, which is always a fun thing to do, even if you're building a layout. However, if your sole intention is to build a layout, however simple or small, just avoid train sets entirely. Either way, trains that are not you should go down to your local hobby shop for purchases because they always have higher quality train sets than what you'll find stocked in a toy store or on eBay. This also allows you to ask questions to the clerk to make sure you're buying what's right for you. Now on to our next topic, a discussion of train control. The ultimate battle for the beginner, DC versus DCC. Ding ding. <sighs> Sorry. ACDC? <laughs> As has been alluded to many times previously, there are two main ways of controlling trains. Direct current, 
or DC, and Digital Command Control, or DCC. Nearly every single model railroad locomotive or power pack is set up to run one of these two systems. Though, on a small note, some toy trains, like 3-rail O-scale, actually use AC current, but for the principles of train control, they are identical to DC in operation, and for simplicity will be referred to as DC here. DC was the original system for controlling model trains. Direct current is pure electrical mechanics. If there's no current in the track, the train is still. If you increase the current, the train starts to move faster in speed proportion to the current, because the current in the rails directly feeds into the motor of the train. If you stop the train and flip the polarity of the current, the motor of the train runs the opposite way and the train moves backwards. Easy as pie. However, this has one severe drawback, namely that all locomotives placed on the track will react in exactly the same way, which re- which prevents you from running multiple different trains at the same time independently of each other. DCC is a development of the past two decades, but it is but now holds almost exclusive market dominance in the hobby. Appropriately named, Digital Command Control uses command stations to digitally send coded messages to the locomotive through electrical pulses, like Morse code, through the rails. Unlike DC, DCC uses constant track power. The command station, which is connected to a throttle, then instructs special mini-computers inside the locomotives, called decoders, how much electricity and of which polarity to feed to the motor. This also allows for other features, like sound decoders, which can also receive instructions for other tasks, like to fire off a whistle or a bell sound, or to dim or turn off a headlight. Each locomotive decoder is given a specific address, which prevents a command from being sent to multiple locomotives and allows you to run multiple locomotives independently of each other. DCC also has a myriad of other benefits, such as an option for walk-around radio throttle control, the ability to specifically program locomotive features, and insanely realistic sound decoders with literally dozens of individual sound functions. But it does come at the price of either paying the extra $50 to $100 for the DCC-equipped locomotive, or the time and effort of taking your locomotive apart and installing a DCC decoder within it. In fact, I was just down at Eastside Trains the other week, and I was talking uh, about these new ultra-fancy DCC decoders to the clerk, and he said, yeah, at this point, the train can practically do (laughs) backflips. I'd love to see a train do a (laughs) backflip. Installing a DCC decoder in a locomotive is most definitely not a beginner project unless the locomotive is a plug-and-play DCC or DCC-ready, which means that the locomotive has a socket in it where all you need to do is buy a DCC decoder specifically for that locomotive, take off the locomotive shell, plug in the decoder, and reassemble the locomotive. Now here's a short primer on wiring layouts with both of these systems. A, DC. While it might not seem like it, you can wire a layout with DC to run multiple trains at once using something called block wiring. However, you need to approximately double the amount of wiring you install for every additional train you plan to run. Block wiring is where you have a bunch of electrically isolated track segments called blocks that are all connected to a transformer or transformers via electrical switches in a way that resembles all the switches you'd see in the cockpit panel on an airplane, but obviously smaller. Here's an example of block wiring. 
If you're bad with visualizations, consider getting a piece of paper to follow along, because this does get a little bit complicated. Imagine two straight pieces of track, A and B. On each end facing inward, each piece of track has a switch, and the switches connect to two parallel tracks, tracks 1 and 2. So going from one side to the other, you start with track A, which splits into tracks 1 and 2, and then merges back together into track B. The simplest block wiring setup is to connect one controller to all four tracks, but via on-off switches, such that by flicking the switches, you can now give power to any combination of tracks A, B, 1, and 2. Now put one train each, a red train and a blue train, on tracks A and B, respectively, facing each other, and turn off power to all four tracks. Start by turning on power to tracks A and 1, and then use the throttle to move the red train from track A to track 1, then turn off the power to both tracks A and 1. Now do the same, but this time to tracks B and 2. Turn on the power to tracks B and 2, and like before, move the blue train from track B to track 2, then turn off the power. Now that track B is free, turn on the power to tracks 1 and B, and move the red train from track 1 to track B, then again turn off the power. And finally, turn on the power to tracks 2 and A, and move the blue train from track 2 to track A. And there you have it, you're done. You've now managed to move two trains on the same layout using only one DC controller. Curve tracks A and B around to connect each other and make an oval, and you can see how this would be used on a model railroad. Now that you understand the principle behind electrical blocks, this example can be expanded into normal block operations by using a very simple modification. Instead of connecting each piece of track to an on-off switch, connect it to an either-or switch and add two throttles, a red throttle and a blue throttle, to control the red train and the blue train respectively. Thus, instead of turning off power to move the trains with the same throttle, you would simply select which throttle controls each piece of track at any given time. Either way, you can understand how wiring a model railroad for DC operation can quickly become complicated and laborious. And B, DCC. The advantage of DCC is that after... That complicated example of DC block wiring, you only need one single electrical bus wire to connect all the pieces of track on the layout. All rails would have power at the same time and be connected to the same power source. A DCC system comes with three main parts. Sometimes the parts are split up or combined into one piece, but the principle still holds. The three components are power source or transformer, a command station, and a throttle. The setup of a DCC system is best imagined as a T-junction in a road. At the center of the junction is the command station, connected to three branches. The first branch is the transformer, which plugs directly into the wall and provides power to the whole system. The second branch is to the layout itself, and it is connected to the controller via the master bus wires, one of each polarity and one to each rail. You can think of the bus as a tree trunk, which has a bunch of branches to individual tracks, but they all lead back to a common pair of wires. The third branch is the throttle. To control your trains, you must first turn on the layout by plugging in the transformer, which gives everything power. Then acquire a locomotive by punching in its address on the throttle, much like punching in a phone number on a phone. 
Next, give the locomotive a command on the throttle, like move forward or blow whistle. And the command is sent to the command station, where it is encoded into a Morse code-like series of pulses. The command station then sends this encoded command through the track by slightly pulsing the power it gives to the rails. The locomotive's onboard DCC decoder then recognizes its specific address, i.e. locomotive number 2491, and proceeds to decode the command. Once the command is decoded, the, res- uh, the decoder will then start feeding power to either the motor for movement or to the speaker for sound in order to carry out the command. This entire process takes between one thirty-second and one sixteenth of a second depending on how far the signal has to travel uh, through all the wires involved. It should be noted that while DCC is considered the universal standard, whose parameters are defined by the NMRA, National Model Railroad Association, basically the Model Railroad Standard Organization, yes, there are some exceptions, such as an O scale, where Lionel and MTH offer their own proprietary version of command controls, called LCS and DCS, respectively. All you need to know is that like DCC, they offer independent control of trains occupying the same block, along with sound features, and also an additional locomotive and equipment cost. However, they are not compatible with each other or with DCC systems, whereas all trains and command stations labeled as DCC can be used interchangeably. Now what does this mean for beginners? Basically, we can sum it up this way. If all you want is a simple, straightforward loop around the Christmas tree and maybe one train layout, DC is the cheaper and simpler option. However, if you want to run more than one train at once, if you plan on taking your model railroad off the floor and beyond a simple loop layout, or if you want realistic and entertaining sound features, you'll want to invest in a DCC system up front and only ever buy DCC-equipped locomotive. So say you want to invest in DCC, but are still in the train set phase and are worried about buying the right products. Well, good news. Nowadays, there are actually quite a few train sets that come with DCC-equipped locomotives. Most of them are produced by Bachman. Two notable train sets here are the Golden Spike set in N scale and the Digital Commander Deluxe set in HO scale. Both of these sets include two DCC-equipped locomotives and a DCC controller, along with additional tracks so you can operate multiple trains simultaneously. If you want to start with a more traditional train set, a good choice would be the Echo Valley Express set. It features a single DCC sound-equipped steam engine, freight cars, a controller, and, of course, track. I personally own the exact same type of locomotive used in this train set, and I can recommend it for its hearty workhorse qualities and good sound. Another option that we have heretofore not discussed is the option for later conversion. Many DC train sets will come with DCC-ready locomotives, such as Bachmann's HO-scale Durango and Silverton locomotive set. If you recall, DCC-ready means that all you need to do is buy the decoder and or speaker system, pop off the locomotive shell, plug in the decoder, and reassemble the locomotive. Buying a train set like this means that you can reap the benefits of the cheap and simple DC system now, and then buy a decoder and DCC system for easy installation later. For situations like that, the two main DCC system suppliers, Digitrax and North Coast Engineering, simply NCE, offer simple DCC starter sets for under $200. The Zephyr starter set from Digitrax and the PowerCab starter sets uh, from NCE. 
Personally, I started off with the Digitrax Zephyr many years ago, and it has managed to keep up and grow with me without a single problem since. For that, and for its simple all-in-one transformer box throttle configuration, I would personally recommend it for beginners who want a well-designed, high-quality, infinitely robust, but also inexpensive DCC system. This can seem very complicated, and taken with some other slightly hobby terminology can be confusing. So here are some frequently asked questions for beginners and their answers as found in Model Railroader's DCC Made Easy pamphlet. Is DCC complicated to install? No, is the answer to that. Most systems nowadays, especially the ones designed for beginners, are plug and play. For very small one train layouts, the setup is marginally more complicated than DC. And for larger layouts, it's infinitely easier. Just familiarize yourself with the terminology and the concept by reading a few books on the subject, and most importantly, use your, um, your user manuals and you'll be able to do it in a snap. Can I use the track I have now? While there is a distinction made among turnouts, some being called DCC-friendly, there is actually no impact on DCC operations. Every single piece of track in model railroading can be used in either DC or DCC control, so you don't need to change anything about how your track is set up, and you can even convert an existing layout from DC to DCC with no additional change to track work. On a side note, the only reason why turnouts are called DCC-friendly is because they have a slightly different wiring arrangement for delivering power to the rails that is installed by the factory. While this doesn't affect turnout functionality, it makes the turnout less likely to cause a short when defective equipment rolls through it, whereas there wouldn't be a short on a DC layout. For the modeler, DCC-friendly turnouts are preferable because they are slightly easier to install and slightly more reliable, but they make no impact on choice of layout control. If you install all of your track flawlessly, then the difference between DCC-friendly turnouts and normal turnouts is purely pedantics. Next question. Do I have to buy decoders from the same company that made the DCC system? Answer? No. All DC systems run on an NMRA-approved standard which makes all locomotives compatible with all DCC systems. Um, you should, however, avoid mixing DCC components across manufacturers, for example, using an NCE throttle on a Digitrax command station. Does DCC work just as well on large layouts? Yes! The only difference in wiring is that, once you crest about two to 400 feet of track, you should start adding booster units. Boosters are best described as repeaters, as they repeat the commands given by the command station and bolster the track power for its given block, which allows locomotives to travel farther away from the command station without losing power or becoming unresponsive to commands. Booster science is usually dependent on the manufacturer and is well beyond the realm of beginnerhood. Can a DCC system handle reversing loops? Yes, but as in DC systems, it's still complicated to wire. Go to your hobby shop for more details, but usually it involves isolating both rails on the return loop and from the rest of the layout and wiring them to a small electronics module that then itself plugs into track power. Do I have to use DCC to control my turnouts? 
No, you do not need to control your turnouts with your DCC system. This was actually a trap that I fell into as a beginner, though, bear with me, I was 11 years old. People do, in fact, offer what are called accessory decoders, which can control accessories, such as an animated scene like a tree falling, or a a gate opening, or, yes, a turnout throwing. The accessory decoders trigger their accessory by giving them a DCC address and receiving commands, much like a locomotive. However, while these can be neat features, they are two things. First, they are in no way mandatory for successfully building a layout, and secondly, they are hardly beginner projects because they are incredibly complicated to pull off, and their major advantages are only relevant when you come to very large or very detailed layouts. So, Unlike me, you do not need to walk away from the hobby shop with 400 or more dollars worth of accessory decoders, the likes of which you have no idea how to install or operate. All you need for powered switch control are some switch machines, like for example, the tortoise switch machine offered by Circuitron, a few meters of wire, and some switches bought at a local Radio Shack or electronics store. No DCC decoders or DCC interface required. Well, that's about all the time we have here, folks. We hope you enjoyed this exposition on train sets and train control. If you have any questions, you can email us at, here we go again, bgtmrring at gmail.com. I swear, I don't think I'll ever get used to saying that. Who knows? Or you can go down to your local hobby shop where they will be able to answer all the questions that you might have on the subject. And now to our modeling quiz this week. The book that we are offering is Tips and Tricks for Toy Train Operators. This is a very wonderfully put together little book by Peter H. Riddle that has over a hundred tips that you can use for pretty much any type of model railroading, though it does have a slight bias to toy trains, for example, O scale and S scale stuff. The main subjects involved are detailing hints electrical tricks, performance tips, and scenery shortcuts. So we hope that you consider answering this week's question, which, coincidentally, is as follows. Again, this is from the June 1954 issue of Trains. So, current to 1954, the overseas news is that an electric train will hit 151 miles an hour in A. Sweden B. France or C, Italy? If you think you have the correct answer, please email us at bgtmrring at gmail.com. If you have a question or comment, or if you would like us to cover a particular subject on the show, please email us at bgtmrring at gmail.com. My God, that is such a mouthful every time I say it. <laughs> visit me at railfano 227 on Facebook and visit our new Facebook community at www.facebook.com slash groups slash, here we go again, B-G-T-M-R-R-I-N-G. I'm surprised I haven't said that incorrectly at all every time I've said it. If you like this show, please give us a good review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast feed. If you did not like us, do not say anything and contemplate the thought crime you have committed. 
And finally, our modeling inspiration music this week is the theme song to the Netflix show Knights of Sidonia, which is very electronic, and since we've been doing nothing but talking about electronics for the past who knows how long, <laughs> I thought it was appropriate. Thank you very much for listening, and, and happy, happy rails! rails. Good.